All right, it's time to get your head right, get your game right. Today on the show, I'm honored to have Andy Barquette. He is currently the assistant hitting coach with the Boston Red Sox, who are in the playoffs. It's going to be an interesting series. We're excited, but let's dig into uh, to Andy Barquette a little bit, his journey. Uh, it's, it's really cool uh, for me to see a guy who was coaching when I was there that just kept going. And he had a playing career. He's been in, in professional baseball for over 23 years now. Uh, Andy? It's great to have you on the show, man. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it's, man, it's, a, it's an honor to be on your show, Dirksy. Uh, you know, great to watch your career, uh, you know, managing you as a young player and, and then seeing what you've done in the game and, and now what you're doing in life. It's, uh, I always knew you were going to be successful in anything that you did, and it's, it's, it's just a pleasure that we've kept in touch. It's, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. So little did anybody know that Andy Barquette – played Division One basketball at NC State before he even played professional baseball. Is that true? No, baseball. I didn't play basketball. Oh, I was no. going to say, I was like, oh, yeah. So that was yeah. a mystery. I was like, basketball? Yeah. Hey, anybody nah. saw this guy? I mean, he's a, uh, you're born and raised in Miami, right? Yeah, short, white, slow, and can't jump. Not a good <laughs> recipe for basketball. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. cleared that up. Yeah. So, uh, uh, your your career kind of was one that he was one of the only guys that could honestly say he hit over 300 in the big leagues and didn't get more than what 50 plate appearances yeah in 40 I think it was 40 something plate appearances or 50 somewhere around there I hit 304 and actually I was hitting 333 into the last day and I struck out I went 0 for 4 and punched out three times so that well like that like crushed me that day I went from 333 to 304 it was a big difference but yeah. uh, then, I, then I got sent down and uh, the GM got fired while I was, you know, in that process. So, you know, new rebuild, new, 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 new this, new that. And so I was just in a, in a basically in a bad luck uh, situation. I, you know, I played well in the minor leagues, but back then guys were putting up astronomical numbers playing first base. And I just, again, I was a six foot normal guy, who, you know, just a good baseball player, but not somebody who's going to put up big time power numbers like they were putting up in the 90s. Uh, and so that, you know, I ended up in AAA seven years and got a little cup of coffee. So it was, it was, it was nice. I played a lot longer than, than, uh, all 28 teams at the time who didn't draft me thought I'd play. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, talk it's, about, it's, talk about your draft experience. Uh, where, what, what round did you go in or you signed free agent, didn't you? Yeah, there was no, I sat by the phone for three days, two different years, junior and senior year, just, you know, waiting for that call. And I played in the ACC and, you know, I wasn't like the greatest player in the country or nothing like that, but I was on the United States national team, um, you know, with, with, you know, Todd Helton and Todd Walker and, you know, all the best players in the country. So I felt I was going to get drafted somewhere. I didn't think I was going to be a first rounder, but it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. It didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I went to Butte, Montana as a non-drafted free agent, which was a co-op team at the time. They don't even have these teams anymore. They were owned by Major League Baseball, but they were in an affiliated league in the Pioneer League. So you played against the Dodgers and the Reds and, and the Blue Jays, et cetera. But you were, you know, you weren't really affiliated. You just kind of – and then half the team was guys that were loaned there from other organizations who all had problems. Like one dude, you know, had, had, an, had could throw the ball 100 miles an hour from shortstop. The problem was one's going to be in the dirt, one's going to be in the stands, one's going to hit the, the coach, and one's going to be in the dugout. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But so, so it was just it was a group of misfit baseball players, and they fill the roster with college seniors who, you know, maybe are decent players but don't get. So then I get there, and I'm, like, thinking I got this opportunity, and they go, hey, man, nobody's ever signed from here. It's like kind of like you get to, like, baseball purgatory when you get there. Like, hey, man, you're getting ready to die. Like, it's, yeah. it's about to be done, you know? 
just letting you know, you know, nobody's ever made it out of here. It's like Shawshank, baseball Shawshank. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we're living in Montana tech dorm. I got no even TV, you know, I got a, I got a, 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 a roommate and, and, and a bathroom down the hall that we all use and long bus rides in the middle of everywhere. And thinking that, you know, this is going to be it. I'm going to go back to college and be like a grad assistant and, you know, start a coaching career type thing. And, uh, you know, I was playing well, and the Texas Rangers one day bought my contract and um, flew me out of Butte to Charleston, South Carolina, which was a big upgrade, I might add. <laughs> and um, I ended up, uh, you know, then, like you said, 23 years in the game later, I'm still here and getting ready to go, you know, play the Yankees in the AL Division Series. It's, it's kind of crazy. That's an absolute amazing story for most people. You know, we all, we all hit walls in life. We hit, we hit uh, points where, you know, for you, you've always been overlooked your, your whole life. What people don't know about Andy Barquette, if, if, you've, if you've never met him, is he's a fiery guy and he's, he's passionate and he does everything with his full effort. And that speaks volumes to being able to get through a situation like that, uh, where most guys, like you said, you're in purgatory, you're in <laughs> Shawshank, it's, we're dying here. I think when mm -hmm. most guys were dying, you just kept going, you know, and to be able yeah. to fight and persevere and then, and then to have a, a career like you did, you hit over 300 in AAA a couple times. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that you've done in your career is, is pretty amazing compared to, like you said, what other people thought of you. So yeah. You've never let anybody label you. I always appreciated that about you and, and your fiery spirit. Uh, Andy tells it how it is. <laughs> yeah uh i would say that's pretty accurate uh, it's probably gotten me in some trouble over the years but uh, i think it's also you know as players you know and you played for me you want to hear it straight up you know you want to hear it just like it is and and I, you know if you have a heart for players and you, you have a heart for people and you want the best for people then you put people's other people's needs ahead of yours and and sometimes that is hey you know, uh, in baseball, it's not, you the, the business is, it hasn't always been set up where everybody's just straight up with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there, there can be a lot of smoke blown as you, as you well know. And, uh, so if you're looking out for players and you're an advocate for players and you got to be straight up with them, cause that's how I wanted to be treated myself, you know? So without a doubt it, yeah. it, in professional baseball, it's not a game for the weak hearted or the weak minded. No, not at all. You get weeded out. So yeah. really as managers, you know, especially in those levels and even really getting into college, you're not doing a kid a favor by holding his hand. No. Because you know, that's not going to serve him well going into the next level or possibly the next level. No, no, no. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of hand-holding being, being done these days because they think that that is kind of the culture and that's the new generation that they need, to be, they need to be nurtured. But at the end of the day, you have to learn eventually. You have to fall on your face. You have to go through the grind and figure it out. Nothing is easy. Nothing is handed to you. You know, so just like with what you're about to do and go and play in these playoff games, which they're wildly intense. I was fortunate enough to play with the Tigers in the playoffs a few times. Uh, it is pretty intense baseball. The, the thing about it is, like you said, if you're nurturing and doing this, you're going to get to a stage eventually if you want to play at the highest level possible, which uh, you're about to do. There's just not time for that because every pitch matters. Every play matters. You, you just got to suck it up. Like Fernando Rodney last night got hit around, and I know Fernando uh, pretty well, and he's mm -hmm. a guy that, man, they got me today, you know? Yeah, and yeah. He's, he's, he just knows it. That's the game. He gave his best effort, and they got me today. You, you can't be crying out on the mound, you no. know? And that's mm – -hmm. it's tough to do. That, it's, it's, a, it's a tough game when you get to that, to that level, but the payoff and the reward for when guys do succeed at that level is so fun to watch and so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope – 
that you guys go out there and just absolutely bust the brakes off them because that would be that's that's the best best way to approach it, right? Yeah, I mean everybody's you know everybody's fired up about the Yankees right now, rightfully so. They got a great team, they got great players, they got great fans. I mean it's it's a, it's a tremendous organization, obviously with a lot of history, but there's nothing better than beating them either, you know. Yeah. So um you know that and it's exciting like we were watching the game last night and you know i think you know some of us were wanting kind of open to win some of us wanted the yankees to win i don't think i think at the end of the day nobody really cared because at the yeah. end of the day you got to beat the best to be the best and we think we're the best so we, we think we can beat either team um so it'll be fun it'll be a great series you know i got a lot of relationships with guys across the way i know a lot of our players do there's a lot of mutual respect there Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but as soon as you put that uniform on and they got those pinstripes and, and, and we got our uh, Red Sox uni, it's it's war. Oh, it's so, about to be on. That's one of the it's best about to be on. Yeah. in all of yeah. sports history, man. Yeah. And, and since 2004, this will be the first time that, that the Yankees and the Red Sox get a chance to go at it again. So mm-hmm. I know everybody's chomping at the bit and there's a lot of other playoff baseball to be had. But I think this will be the series that people are most focused on, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. This will be, uh, you know, a lot of people are calling this the World Series already, the two best teams in baseball. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see about that. Let's just take it one day at a time. And, you know, we're all excited about tomorrow. And your, your guys' uh, uh, team has done some amazing things this year. You're one of the funner teams to watch in baseball, without a doubt. Thank great you. mix That's... of guys, great talent. Mm-hmm. You got a little bit of everything, and you got guys that can hit. You got guys that can field and run and pitch. Mm-hmm. It's one mm-hmm. of those. It's one of those teams. You won uh, what, 111 games or something crazy? Yeah, 100, 108 games, a, a record in yeah. the 120-year history of the Boston Red Sox. Very humbling, actually, to be a part of history. But again, nobody remembers. You know, nobody re- remembers the 108 wins or winning the AL East. Everybody wants to know. You know, did you win the World Series? That's, that's it. What it's all about. You know, so um, it's the game. The, the year is not going to be a failure if we don't, because you know you can't say you won 108 games. But then the day we're all here to win the World Series, and so that's what that's our goal. And that's you know anything short of that, that we didn't we didn't accomplish the mission. That's right. What's it What's it like going uh, you know from AAA uh, going back into the big leagues there and, and being in a big league clubhouse uh, for you you know in your role versus what you were doing in the minor leagues. Well, you know, there's 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 a lot of differences, a lot of similarities at the same time. Obviously, you know, the difference between the big leagues and the minor leagues. Um, at any level is drastic. I mean, um, you know, nowadays there's guys, there's a ball situations who are, who are beautiful ballparks and guys have custom buses and they, they get really good meal money. And, you know, they, they, they're living a little bit nicer and AAA is really nice too, but still does not compare to the big leagues. Nothing does. Um, but what is the same is the game is the same and the human beings that are playing it are the same. Now this level, they might have a little bit more talent or experience, but they're still very real human beings that have real doubts and that have real issues. And just like the guy that, you know, lives next door to you and lives next door to me. And, you know, we're all the same, basically. These guys just happen to be baseball players. But, we, but you know, so what, that, that, that is the same. Minor league players, major league players, they're human beings. They're all the same. And when you're a minor league manager, you know, a lot of your job, as you well know, or you hopefully saw was, you know, discipline, you know, encouragement, mm-hmm positivity um keep going help hold you accountable and in the major leagues the manager really as you well know again is not you know he doesn't have that he, the intimate everyday conversation with players 
like you do in the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, however, the assistant hitting coach and the hitting coach, we do because we see them all every day you know, and we see them personally every day. So it's very similar in the sense that everything that I did in the minor leagues, I do here as a manager. I do as a hitting coach as far as, hey, man, how are you doing today? Hey, let's go. We got, you know, and, and, and I care. I want to know. I want to know about how you know, their pregnant wife is feeling. I want to know how their kids are doing. I want to know how, where their brain is at today, if anything is burdening them. So then we can get to work and, 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 and you know, try to accomplish something, get better that day. So um, anyway, I do a lot of the same things, man. It's really, it's, it's really, I don't really don't feel like I'm doing anything different. <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't expect you to, because what you've done your whole career has worked. You know, you've developed yeah. a lot of good players and you've helped a lot of players. And, and I think that would be probably your, your testament when, whenever hopefully your, your 58 year baseball career is over is man, you know, I just was fortunate to help a lot of, help a lot of guys get to where I wanted to go. And I yeah. wanted to be when I played. That's exactly right, Dirk. I couldn't, I couldn't really say any better myself. So Alex Cora gets the job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you get a phone call. Who, yeah. who called you and how, how did that kind of go down as far as – because you were in Indianapolis uh, kind of, you know, in a better situation that, that you're not going to get a job in the big leagues and, and whatever it is. So uh, what, what were your feelings and emotions going through that, that short little period of time there? Um. You know, it was it was at the end of a season last year. You know, it was my twelfth in the minor leagues, I believe, as a manager, coach, and first year in AAA. We had a really good season in Indy last year. A lot of, very proud of the year that we had and and the, and the players that we developed through that that season. Um, but you know, it's just another year in the minors, and, and it was another. I think it was my twenty second in a row or twenty third. I'm I'm starting to lose track. I think this is twenty four. It doesn't really matter. It's a lot. Once it gets past twenty, <laughs> nobody's counting anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm not getting a gold watch for twenty five or anything. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so all of a sudden, I get a, I got a Twitter message from Alex because we didn't even have each other's phone numbers at the time mm-hmm. that said, "Hey, uh, I might you know be interviewing for some jobs and." And if I do, you, you know, you're on my list uh, to be a, a staff member. And I just was blown away because, you know, you, you grind it out so much in the minor leagues. And, you, and you know, there's two ways to get to the big leagues as a coach. You, you can just be good at what you do and do it over time. Or you, you know a lot of people and you play the political game. And that's what some mm-hmm. people do. Yeah. Um, and so and that's just go, that, that goes for anything in life too, any profession. That's not just baseball. But it does, it's, it's very real in our game as well. And so – you always wanted somebody just to recognize you for who you are and, and, uh, and what you've done. And that moment kind of happened that, that day. And then uh, he proceeded obviously to interview for a couple positions and he got the Red Sox job. And obviously you're still waiting for that phone call because all I really had was a Twitter message and a couple texts. And, uh, and then one day he called and said, Hey, here's what we're, you know, I'd like you to be my assistant hitting coach. And uh, you know, the, the Red Sox called and uh, offered me the job, and that was it. It was it was it was it was a whirlwind of one day you're just you know you're packing your car at the end of the 2017 season, and you're like you know heck of a good year. You're proud, you know, but then you're driving home, and it doesn't really help your wallet or help your dream or yeah. help really anything else because yeah you're proud, but that's just another year in the minors at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. And then you got to really remind yourself why you do what you do. And it's not about the money and it's not about this. and It's not about that, which it's not because now that I'm in the situation I'm in here, I, I, I have, I still want to win. Like I don't even care yeah. about anything else but winning at this point, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, so, you know, then uh, it was just, it was crazy, man. It was, and then you just get to work and you start and it was a little bit apprehensive at first because new players, 
you know, what are they going to think of me, the guy who's been in the minor leagues a long time, with two new hitting coaches coming into the AL East champions and some of the best young players in baseball and J.D. Martinez, mind you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it's been an incredible ride and incredible relationships built. And, um, you know, we, I really care a lot about these guys, not just as baseball players. And it's, it's been – and I think – and they know that about not just me, but but Alex and Tim Hires, Dana Lavangi and our whole staff, Rod Renicky, Tom Goodwin. They all know how much we care about them. And I think that's why they play the way that they play with such love for the game and freedom because, they're you know, they're allowed to be themselves. Freedom's a great word, man, because, they're, you know, they're, you go through times in, in your career and, and times in life and whatever you're doing that there are times where you feel like, man, you know, I, I could do more. I could be mm-hmm. better, but I just feel like I got the handcuffs on, you know, for, for people to give the freedom to the players or to their employees or whatever. I think it helps them play at a whole different level than they even knew they were capable of. No doubt. No doubt. I, I've seen it. You know, I've seen it with lots of teams and, and, you know, being a coordinator and going around and watching certain teams and how they're structured and how the manager works and then going, you know, and then seeing it different ways. The players, players allowed to be free and do their thing. You're going to get the most, you know, out of their talent. You know what I mean? If they're stressed and they're, and they're anxious and they're worried about meeting, you know, certain um, expectations, they put stress on themselves and they just can't be freed up to go, to go do their thing. And you have to make mistakes to get better. And if mm-hmm. you're if you're not allowing guys to make mistakes freely, and and learning from them and understanding their game better, that's part of the development key factor, right? Is is really understanding yourself and your game, and where it fits in in the organization as quickly as possible. But if you're not if you're not able to make those mistakes, a good example I always think is college coaches calling pitchers calling pitches for uh, college catchers, like what? Yeah. In what on what planet can a guy that's sitting on the side be able to call a better game than the guy who's watching the pitches come in and has been working with that pitcher for the last two years? Right. You know, and then and then to expect them to get drafted and then go be uh, catchers and good pitch callers is is really just not even fair to a catcher. No, not at all. Because you're limiting the development of the guy, and and you know, they're not they're not free to play the game. You're you're being micromanaged. You know, so it's just. Um, you know, when you're talking about developing baseball players, there has to be a free, uh, you know, an instinct and a freedom uh, to be able to play, uh, to really be good. Um, Cause you need that, that sixth sense when you're on the field to be able to anticipate things that are getting ready to happen before they happen. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that you can't, if you're controlled all the time, then you can't ever develop that, that sixth sense. Without a doubt. So when you go to Boston right now, where's, where's the spot that you like to, to get a steak dinner? Because I know you're, I know you're a Miami guy, so the rice yeah. and beans is a little harder to find in Boston, right? Do you know, dude, that now in the big leagues, at every place we go to, there's the spread for the day, and there's also a Latino spread every day. Well, so it makes like, sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So like, now, you know, it used to come like once every, you know, it'd be like, you know, Japanese day, or and then you know, uh, Spanish day, Mexican day, whatever. Now they got the, the Latin food every day, rice beans. So that's a staple. Honestly, yeah. the, the Boston is a tremendous city. There's it's a great place. Uh, I live in kind of the suburbs, and so there's a little couple of little, you know, little spots out here in West Roxbury that I like to, to post up at and get a meal or grab a beer or whatever, um, and, and kind of off the beaten path. I'm not a, I'm not a downtown with the nice flashy shirt, walk around waving at people, going eating at the big restaurants guy. 
You know what yeah. I mean? I'd, ra- yeah. I'd rather hang out out here and act like, and, and then listen to people talk crap about the Red Sox and just smile. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, little yeah. do they know you got a pretty behind the scenes look at exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, fans, so. the fans in Boston, I always love playing in Fenway. I think most players do. It's the atmospheres there. There is completely different than, than anywhere across the country. I think just mm-hmm. the engagement of the fans and that, that mm-hmm. kind of that, you know, that Boston attitude or what, you know, that was a terrible oh, yeah. example of an accent, but that attitude that they, they roll with, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's always fun to see how people from all over the country, like me being a small town, Kansas kid going and playing in big Metro Detroit, and the people love me. Right. And you, mm-hmm. you being like a, a, a guy raised born and raised in Miami. I think it's funny to me. Cause I always, when I think about you in Boston, I'm like, that's a freaking great fit for that guy. As far as like <laughs> the way the the city is, the way the fans are, like get after it. Yeah, you know, yeah, no kick doubt. Kicking butt. Let's go. Let's roll. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They fired me up, dude. They fired me up. That that. I mean, sometimes I feel like I want to jump in the stands and sing "Sweet Caroline" with them. You know what I mean? I got to catch myself. Like, hey, you got to act like a big league. You can't be singing that stuff. <laughs> I got, because it's just they're so passionate. You know, they're passionate about the game. They're passionate about their team. And you know, there's no better feeling than having a you know forty thousand people behind you, and you know it's just it's great. And we hope we we can give them a good show these next couple of days in Boston, man. It's 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 a great baseball city. It's a great sports city, uh, and it's I, I never realized what a, what a jewel of a, an area New England was. And it's been it's been a great experience, man. And let's you know especially when we're going down on that parade carrying that trophy, it'll be even better. Yeah, man. So speak about a little of this because you're in the cages banging with the guys. You see the mm-hmm. you see the, the the back office work before it goes out on the field, right? Uh, a right. lot of people I don't think understands uh, understand exactly kind of what goes into being a good hitter and playing that many games and trying to stay as consistent as possible. Uh, uh, what are some what are some things you guys work on and some routines that guys might have uh, that have helped them and, and helped you guys be as consistent as you've been all season offensively? Um, well, number one, I, I'd say, you know, creating like routines and, and having them trust process. You know, the guys who really can, can develop a, a process that works, um, you know, if people talk about Mookie this year, for example, you know, what's the big turnaround and everybody wants to talk about swing change and this and that. At the end of the day, and we talked to Mookie early in spring training about this and it took a little bit to get to this point. But Mookie developed a routine and, you know, a very, something very similar to um, uh, what's the guard's name for Golden State. Uh, I, don't, I don't follow sports. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you know, Curry. Uh, Curry, Stephon Curry. Curry. Yeah, yeah. Stephon Curry. So Stephon Curry has this, uh, his routine he does every day. And, you know, he comes out, he, he does every shot possible in the game. I mean, you can Google it. You can YouTube it. It's pretty cool to watch. It's, it's, it's long, but. It's, there's, a, there's a couple uh, condensed versions of it, but he does the same routine. Now, if he misses shots or he gets the ball stolen, you know, the next day he doesn't change his routine because he knows his routine works. He trusts his routine. So, he, so basically what Mookie Betts has done, and instead of, you know, changing lanes to search for success, uh, I didn't work this way, so I'm going to try it this way. I didn't work this way, I'm going to try it this way. So that didn't work, so I'm going to try this. He just said, he said, you know what, I know that that works, and I'm just going to kill that every day, and I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to trust you guys because you're telling me that, that that's really the deal. Mm-hmm. And he did. And so he created a routine and a process that he trusted day in and day out and day in and day out. And he grinds through it. Doesn't always, it's not always pretty. His routine doesn't always work out perfectly. Yeah. But he trusts it. 
and he's in and the routine works. And so uh, anyway, that's, that is, that's, that's been the difference is really getting them into routines that they can trust um, and that, that the movements that we're creating, uh, it matches up with that day starting pitcher. Uh, the game has become very specialized due to metrics. Hey, a lot of forcing up now and then spin down. Mm-hmm. Or there's east east west guys who are who are, are slider cutter, you know they're crisscrossing the ball, crisscrossing the plate. So identifying the pitching, and then how are you going to approach that pitching tonight, very specifically with your movements and getting those guys moving in that direction. So that's the goal. Now, obviously, it's very uh, baseball is very imperfect, so it doesn't always end work out that yeah. way. But I feel like creating that that process for the players has really been. Um, they, they've taken to it and they're talented too. That's obviously, you know, a huge part of it. Um, but, you know, we have talented people who develop routines and are able to trust their routines. Then you can get the most out of your ability. Easiest trap to fall into in baseball is trying to change every day because, Oh, like you said, this didn't work. Let me move my hands here. Oh, that didn't work. Need to widen my stance. Oh, that didn't work. And then you might get hot for a little bit. And then as soon as that falls off, your first instinct is, Right. Yeah. And and like you said, I love how you said the word trust. Mm-hmm. Once you find those things, because I've I've analyzed my swing on film, you know, in the big leagues thousands of times. One thing that I really started realizing, and especially looking back, is my swing kind of was what it was naturally. You know, I developed that swing for so long. It's not like I can just take this this natural stroke that I have and completely change it and completely renovate it with a lot of success because the timing and everything goes into it as opposed to how can I refine, like you said, some kind of a structured plan and then a good mental approach to go on top of that uh, to be successful every day. Now, just like anybody, it's, I would fall into that trap mm-hmm. again. You know, hey, hey, Dirks, you need to hit more home runs trap in yeah, my head. The you little know? man, the little so man on your shoulder. Do. Yeah, you get the little guy yeah. on there. When you're going good and you're feeling good, he's, he's mm-hmm. gone. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm hitting the ball well, but I'm just not – I'm not – putting in the bleachers you know mm-hmm. or whatever so then you try to do a little more a little more yeah that's that's the truth and that, that goes it's a tough game because doing less and staying under control it's just like a golf swing you know if you can keep your tempo and pace and direction of your swing and keep everything really true to go if um you know you start trying to do too much then goes all over the place and you have no chance yeah and that in the game today when you got starting pitchers that are throwing 98 miles an hour and with sinkers and sliders and it's you have to stay inside yourself and and just understand that what i'm doing with this swing will supply the power it will supply the drive it will supply the backspin that i need to get on the ball every single time as long as i can get there yeah because that's the key you know getting there in time and hitting is the key essential. Really, all pitchers are trying to do is is get you out of that timing and out of that good feel and that flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, hitting uh, hitting is timing. Pitching is disrupting timing. You know, and that's really at the end of the day mm-hmm. uh, what they're trying to do. Especially now, throwing these pitches up and in hard, and then spinning the ball slow and down. That's kind of a trap of, of the modern day pitcher, modern day pitching coach. Is you know, let's get something where they can't you know use this launch angle and crushed my pitch, let's get something where they have to get, they get tied up trying to create launch angle with these high fastballs. So then you, then you speed up to try to catch up to it and they throw the slow breaking ball. So it's like, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you've got to know what you're going into. You've got to know what you're fighting against. You've got to know your opponent. 
because if not, you have no plan, then you're, you're, you're in a lot of trouble. You're, 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 you're shooting aimlessly. So it's uh, it doesn't yeah. work that way. So in the game, as far as making adjustments in game, you say, you know, you try to get a game plan heading into the mm -hmm. game. You're working on this. You get into the game. You're 0 for 2 before you know it. You're not feeling well. What are some things, some, some things you would recommend or things you've seen some guys do that have, that have kind of turned their day around? Because I get a lot of young guys that are like, if they're 0 for 1, 0 for 1, they're already 0 for 4. Yeah. yeah. Right? If, yeah, that, that, what are, what are some things that you've seen, or or you could you could help some of these young guys out? With? Yeah, it's just you know mental, mental. That's mental. That is hundred percent mental. Because then you know your your brain starts telling you, oh, you're no good, and no, you're not going to get a hit, and now your batting average is this, and blah blah blah, and then then you're you're beaten. So um, you mm -hmm. have no chance. And so staying positive, finding mental cues that keep you going, finding mental cues with certain players that you can go, hey, well, you know. This don't don't forget that's a good at bat. That's a good good take right there. Don't forget to look for that heater next time. And just keeping them positive, keeping them going. Sometimes telling them a joke, you know, hey, or, or you know, pointing out something in the stands, or you know, look at look at the lady uh, dancing on the on the video board right now, and how stupid she looks, and whatever, you know, just something to get their mind, uh, you know, an external thought to get them out of their own brains, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and then lock them back in. Yo, man, hunt that heater. You're a bad man. Let's go. You know, and so, yeah, I love it. just, you know, you, you have to believe, man, if you don't believe and you don't have confidence in yourself, no matter what you're doing, then you're not going to do it to your fullest, you know, potential. Yeah, that's spoken like a, a legit professional baseball hitting coach to <laughs> a professional baseball coach, because, you know, I see you see a lot of times when a guy is struggling in a game, everybody, for whatever reason, just wants to straight start changing mechanics, even in mm -hmm. the game. And I tell guys all the time, there's, it's impossible to change your mechanics of your swing in a game because the ball's coming at mm -hmm. you at 98 miles an mm -hmm. hour. If you're a kid, it's coming at 70-something. Whatever it is, the ball is coming at you rapidly. Mm -hmm. you know. So there's not time to think about all that stuff. No. Uh, and one thing that, that I always go back to is like what you said, that encouragement level mm -hmm. goes way further than, hey, you need to try your hands up here this time. You're just – getting these kids into that trap over and over and over. And it's like, when are we going to get out of that rabbit hole? Exactly. Yeah. It's, there's too much, you know, mechanics. There's a lot of, been, there's a lot being taught now. And it's great that, that, that we have so much information now and we can quantify so many things and it, it, it's wonderful. However, um, you know, this game, it, it, it's really, the more you think about mechanics and think about executing the swing, then you're not thinking about timing the pitcher and timing the ball and anticipating where that pitch is going to be because, if you're trying to see it first and then react and hit it, it's too late. You have to prepare to hit it where it's going to be, where you think it's going to be. And that, and that if, you're, if, you're, if you're locked up and thinking about mechanics, you have no chance to execute that. And that is, that is the most important you know, gift of a hitter is the ability to anticipate where the ball is going to be before it's thrown. Yeah, and then sometimes the pitcher doesn't throw it where he wants it, and that's what Yeah, exactly, exactly. What I always go back to as, hitter, as a hitter, never give the pitcher too much credit. Because I've, I've, I've fallen into that, too, and I've seen other guys do it to where, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's on pace to win the Cy Young this year. Uh, already kind of beat, right? right? Uh, what was the last thing you said? Uh, basically, you know, uh, giving the pitcher too much Yeah, no, no. As far as – Well, that's, that's you know, one thing our guys don't – Yeah, better. our guys don't do it, man. Our guys, like, they, 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 they respect – but we face Verlander, we face this. They treat everybody the same. They're just looking for his trap 
and then looking for where yeah. he makes mistakes, you know, and then stay away from the trap and hunt the mistake, you know? Awesome, and so man. that's, you know, that's kind of how we, how we roll. Barquette, appreciate it so much. I know you got to get to the field. You got a, a, a extremely fun and exciting series coming up. I'll be watching it on TV. I hope to see you, your ugly mug <laughs> in the dugout. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope nothing but the best for you, man. Thanks so much for being here. All right, Dirksy. Thanks for having me, man. Great talking to you catching up and keep in touch, man. Go, go Red Sox.